Welcome to the Military Child Education Coalition podcast, the show that highlights a wide range of challenges and triumphs that our military-connected kids experience. My name is Nikki Harrison, and I'll be your host today. We would like to say thank you for the support of the Hanscom Spouses Club for this episode. And I have joining me today a really special guest. Hello, my name is Jennifer Predney. I've been an Army wife for almost 18 years now. Uh, We have moved 10 times in that 18 years. We have four kids. My oldest is almost 17, 15, 11, and 9. So a junior, sophomore, sixth grader, and a fourth grader this year. Personally, I love reading, coffee, and writing. Awesome. Thank you so much for telling us a little bit about yourself. And I, um, just because we know each other, I (laughs) knew you've got everything from elementary school all the way up to high school. So I think that's great for our listeners to know. And you've PCS'd quite a bit. So you've moved around and had a lot of that experience of transition. So I'd love for you to tell our listeners how being a military family has really impacted your children's education? Well, I think there's a lot of pros and cons. We're going to start with the cons because they come to mind first. I think everything that's hard comes to mind first. Early on, we noticed there's huge gaps in curriculum every time you PCS, whether it be from state to state or even school to school. So there was always... I guess, a worry that our kids were going to be either behind or ahead or how they would line up with the other kids in their classes. So that took a lot of forethought on our part on how we were going to help our kids adjust both directions. But overall, like the pros, I think them being in so many different states and schools, their adaptability has been astronomical they're able to bridge those gaps faster. The more times they do it, the faster it is. Like it's not such an issue because they know what they need to tell their teachers, what they need to say, yes, I know this, or no, I don't know this. I need help with this. They speak up for themselves more. So I think being a military family and their education, they've learned how to be their own advocates as we go on. I think that's really important. And I love that you use the the word advocate that they've, you know, because we always talk about as parents, us being our child's first and best advocate. But at some point, it's great where that can transition to your child and then they learn to do it for themselves, which I think is what we we all wish and hope for as parents. I was just thinking when you were saying their adaptability has really helped, you know, as they've moved, um, they're able to do that more and more. Do you think it's changed as they get older? Absolutely. I think the more they do it, the more comfortable they're with it. I tell people the military life is not for everybody and it's definitely a different kind of lifestyle and the kids, this is the only lifestyle they've known. So to compare them to any other kids that have a more civilian or stable lifestyle isn't fair. They do. They only know the adaptability. They only know change. So I don't know. I guess it's just, it's built into who they are now. I definitely think that that is an important kind of to note that it's just built into who they are and who they've become. And each move, they're able to do it easier. They're able to navigate the waters a little bit easier. 
I know that you've transitioned a lot. And as someone who is also a fellow military spouse, I've also done a lot of the transitions in the PCSing. And so I'd love for you to tell us about a time where you had a really smooth transition slash PCS and uh, what made it go well. Uh, That'd be great. Honestly, it was probably this last PCS for us. And it was solely based on the fact that we knew we were coming back to somewhere we had already been. So it was a unique thing, I guess, for a military family. We're moving right back into the same house that we owned, you know, three years ago, the kids went right back into the same school district. They went back, some of them went right back into the same schools with the same teachers. So a lot of the unknowns we already knew. So it was a lot smoother for us as parents, for them as kids, because it wasn't completely foreign for them. So I think that is a good point to make that you were able to transition back to somewhere that you've already been. So you already had some knowledge of the local area, of the school systems. Maybe even the kids ended up going to schools that they had already previously gone to. And so it just made the move a lot easier because you already knew what to expect a little bit. So could you replicate those things in other moves? Uh, I don't know. Or is it really based on the <laughs> location? Is it location? Like, is it, I know I'm like, can you replicate the location in other yeah, moves? Yeah, I really can't. Um, replicating, I, probably not. It was a very unique situation for us being able to move right back into a house that we actually owned instead of having to find housing. Um, it was, I mean, it was, a big reason why we moved back into the house that we did instead of deciding to live on post or somewhere else was because the kids would be able to go back into the same school district. We were familiar with it. We were familiar with their curriculum, how they teach some of the teachers. So it was a win-win for everybody. As far as replicating it, I, I don't know that we really could. I think this was like our unicorn move of everything just kind of lined up for us. Yeah, I don't know if you could replicate the location. You know, that's why I was like, I don't think you could could do that. But you know what it does make me think about is I think there's so many military families more recently that are trying to what the military likes to call homestead, you know, trying to stay where they're at because they're trying to create some sort of continuity in their child's education if they can at all. Uh, do that. And so it's interesting looking at that idea of homesteading in the military versus if you have to move, selecting locations that you have some knowledge about and makes that transition a little bit easier for your family as a whole. And I know you can't always do that, but it's great when you can. So we we talked about what the smoothest transition is. What's been the toughest one? And what were some of those challenges that you faced? Honestly, I think our toughest one was the one before this last one. We moved from Fort Knox, Kentucky to Aberdeen Proving Grounds in Maryland. And this was during, well, it was 2021. So not really height of COVID, but still COVID. And we knew we were only going to be there for a year. So we were coming off of... COVID and at Fort Knox, we pulled our kids from the school system and we decided to homeschool them. 
So we homeschooled the last year that we were at Fort Knox and knowing that we were only going to be in Maryland for a year, we just continued to homeschool instead of dealing with school systems there and having the gap in curriculum that I talked about earlier. And then them having another one when we moved back here to El Paso, we didn't want them to have to go through so many transitions when they were already only going to be living in an area for one year. So we chose to homeschool for our year in Maryland. And I think it was just a compound of so many different things that made it difficult. The homeschooling part was challenging because I did, I had a high schooler, I had a middle schooler, and I had two in elementary that I was doing all on my own. A lot of the resources for homeschoolers, Maryland has tons of them, but a lot of them weren't back up and running because of COVID. So a lot of the co-ops, a lot of the extra activities for homeschool kids, a lot of those things still hadn't started back up. So we were really on our own to make things happen, essentially. And we had never lived on the East Coast. So we had you know, just the culture of the East Coast to get used to, too. It was a lot of different things from different areas of our life. That was definitely the most challenging family-wise and education-wise, but we were also setting them up to move back to something familiar. So it was challenging because of how unique it was for us. I think that is a good point to make, especially you transitioned during where COVID was still happening to an area that you probably hadn't been to before and weren't familiar with. And so, you know, I know for our military families that have school age children, some have their kids in the public school system, some have their kids in the private school system, some are homeschooling. <laughs> And we always talk about that choice being very individual and very personal for that family. And so I could see how that would be a really difficult transition. And then to know you're only going to be somewhere for one year is really hard. I think all of that was probably a, a challenge, but nice that you could come back then after that year to someplace that you were really familiar with. So MSEC is the national advocate for Purple Star Schools and Purple Star Schools are really designed to show their support and commitment to meeting the unique needs of military-connected families. And we know one of those unique needs is that our military-connected families are highly mobile. And so I would love to know what are some of the things that you look for in a school that supports your children? I think first and foremost, it's a school that is aware on at least some level of the military lifestyle, that they understand the kids are going to have unique challenges that the rest of their kids probably don't have. It's an understanding administration that has open communication. It's knowing that they're willing to work with the families and the kids through the transitions or with the transitions. I mean, we have, because of my husband's job, he's gone a lot and they're short stints where he's gone. So it disrupts the kids, especially the younger kids emotionally, and that they may not be all present in school. So knowing that there's an open communication with the administration and their teachers and that willingness for both teachers and the administration to understand and work with the kids on that level is really comforting to me as a parent. So I think a great point you make is open communication. I feel like that is really important. And with the Purple Star Schools, there's all of these different components that are part of 
becoming and being a purple star school. And one of the biggest pieces of, of them being successful is communication, communication with the parents, with the students, teachers, staff, administrators, community, uh, stakeholders. So if you could design your own program that best supports military connected students in regards to their education, what would it look like? I feel like this is a great question for all of the parents. Yeah, it's definitely a unique question for me because I have been involved in the schools and kind of seen not a lot of parents understand like how schools are structured, how, where their money comes from, how the state impacts that, how federally that impacts it, training and all of that. For me, like a program that I would love in a school would be that it starts with the teachers and the administration getting military specific training, honestly, just so they have a better understanding of the military life. I know that there's programs where teachers can go on military installations and live the army life for a day. They go through all sorts of fun high ropes courses and simulators and things like that, just to give a little tidbit of what military life can be like. But I think that more than anything would make such a huge difference in any school is just having that knowledge. So they have the empathy, they have the understanding That's more than just what you can read about in the papers. And then again, just the open communication, being able to easily for incoming families or families who are researching the area, school websites are such a helpful resource. And if there's no way to actually get any military information from that school, I mean, you don't even know if there's any military families that go to that school. So Having them advertise, yes, we're military friendly. Yes, we have these resources right there on the websites is a huge, huge help. So those are, those are my two big things. Having up-to-date websites that advertise to the military families, have that open communication that yes, we're here for you. And then training the administration and the teachers and the staff that this is a unique lifestyle that they don't you know, encounter on an everyday basis, but they need to be aware of it. Yeah. I think you bring up an important point on training. I think that is crucial for schools is to have that specific training on the military lifestyle and the community and the kids and all the things, because you don't know what you don't know. And especially if you have, you know, teachers and, you know, administrators that aren't familiar with the military, you don't, you know, you don't know, you know, you don't know about um, deployments and separations and all of the mobility and things like that. So I think training is huge. And I agree with you. I think communication is big uh, and websites are fantastic way to do that. If you can standardize your website (laughs) and make them very easy to navigate and find information, I think it's really really helpful, especially for our, fa- our families, you know, when you're moving around and you know, you're going to that new place. One of the first things that you start doing is looking at schools, right? When you have school age kids and you go to the websites. So right now is our back to school season. And for a lot of our kids, they're probably already back to school. And then we have some kids that are, are in the midst of going back to school. How have your kids handled being that new student at school? It happens time and time again, and maybe it's different for each one of your children. 
right? Some handle it a little bit better than others. Yeah, absolutely. And it changes over time too. So I think all of them, every time it's a, it's a lot of nerves. I have one of my kids who is more excited than anything. It's an adventure for him. So he just has a different mentality about it. It's like, oh, I'm going to go and meet new friends. I'm going to meet these new people. I'm going to do these new things. And it's exciting. But for the most part, it's the fear of the unknown. You know, who's going to be in their class? Are they going to like anybody in their class? Are they going to like their classes? Are they going to like their teachers? You know, are they going to get lost walking around the school? It's definitely different for each of them. But going to open houses, if the schools have an open house, has been crucial in getting them more comfortable with the new spaces, the new teachers. It makes the first few days that much less scary because they've been in the building, they've met their teachers, they've been in the classrooms. And I know a lot of this is for elementary, but even this year for my middle schooler, you know, he missed the sixth grade orientation. We were gone. So he didn't have that kind of familiarization with other kids. So when we went to open house, it was getting his schedule and walking the halls, walking to his classrooms, meeting his teachers and making sure he felt comfortable that he knew where everything was. And it was great because he saw friends from the previous year. He's like, oh yeah, you know, let's see if we have classes together. So they're lining up their schedules and seeing what classes they have together. And, but that was crucial for him. If he wouldn't have had that, you know, I don't think he would have had a very good start to his year because he, it was completely foreign for him. But my older two in high school now, I think starting a high school is a little easier, honestly, because you can tell them you're not the only new kid. You're not the only one who's not going to know where they're going. You're not the only one. So they don't feel as like it's an individual affront to them. You know, it's more of a welcoming process that they're part of the crowd. They're not just this one person who doesn't know what's going on. So it's definitely different for all of them and depending on the age groups and what kind of their school's setting is, but the open houses, especially for the younger ones have been essential. Yeah. I think that brings up a really good point about back to school events that schools have and whether they call it the open house or the meet and greet or, you know, whatever it is how significant that is for students and especially our new students, I think is, is really important as well as those orientations. It's funny that you say your son missed his orientation because I think the same thing happened to us. I think my oldest missed his sixth grade orientation as well because we were traveling in the summer, which is another part of being military. We find out we're, we're moving somewhere. We get orders. We've got to get there. We're trying to build in vacation in the summer as well and see maybe extended family all at the same time. (laughs) It's like all happening at the same time. But I think that's important to note that those back to school events are really important for kids and that every child is going to have a different experience being the new kid at school. I think that's really important to highlight. So do you have any advice, even if it's just one piece of advice that you would give other parents to help them best support and or advocate for their school-aged children? 
My advice is to get involved as much as you can and to be as present as you can. And I know for a lot of parents, that's really challenging because they work or they have younger kids at home or just their lives are different. But I think any little bit that you can do to be present in your kid's school life makes all the difference in the world to them and to you because you're sharing that experience with them. You're better able to understand how you can help them or what they need help with that they don't even know that they need help with. But that's getting involved, whether it's reading or watching school board meetings. A lot of them post them online now where they live stream them, joining the PTA or PTO if you can, volunteering when you can. But even it's just attending school events, go to the sporting events, support your kids wherever you can, reaching out to your kids' teachers. If you can't go to anything, even just having, sending that email and be, Hey, I just want to touch base with you and make sure things are good. You know, even the busiest parent, I think has time to send, you know, just a really short email. Hey, I know I haven't been able to attend things. You know, I just want to touch base, making sure my kid's doing okay, that there's nothing that's come up that I need to know about. But it really goes back to the open communication too. But yeah, getting involved and being present, however that looks for you would be my number one thing. I love that. I think it really pushes to the forefront the importance of parent involvement, parent engagement on the school's part as well, and bringing them in. And you saying being involved, no matter what that looks like for you, is really important that you know, if you can't always be volunteering in the building, what are other ways that you can be involved? I know that for the majority of of my kids' school age time, I've been a working parent, sometimes part-time, sometimes full-time, sometimes just volunteering, um, you know, as as an unpaid worker, (laughs) (laughs) right? And, uh, you know, sometimes it's, I remember, you know, I think my oldest was in like second grade and I, I couldn't go to all the things because I was working and I asked the teacher like, oh, how can I help? And she was like, do you want to cut stars? And so she gave me like this stack of like paper that at home at night, after the kids were in bed, I was cutting stars. I'm a really good star cutter. And And I was, you know, that was my contribution was, you know, I was able to do something for my kid who was like, my mom can't always be here, but gosh, she cut all those stars that are on the bulletin boards. And, you know, so I think finding whatever way you can. And I think the second part you said in the communication and the communication is two ways, you know, it's, it's, well, it's more than two ways. It's like you know, two, three ways, student, parent, teacher, kind of everyone staying involved and, and knowing that you can openly communicate. So I think those are all great pieces of advice for our parents. Okay. So here's my, my last and final question. (laughs) I feel like I, you know, I thought this was a really great one because I think it's something for us to think about those that are in the military community. So you've been a military spouse raising children for a very long time, and you have children that we, as we mentioned earlier, range all the way from elementary all the way to high school. If you could go back in time, would you choose this life all over again? <laughs> when I saw this, I, my answer is probably. 
I still think for me personally, yes. But I mean, it goes back to what I said before is this life is not for everybody. And you throw kids in the mix and you really have to evaluate your priorities. You know, I know a lot of military families who their service member goes and is the one who always moves and they stay in one place the entire time. And they make it work because it's important for their kids to have that stability. It's important for them to have that stability. For us personally, having my husband be a geo bachelor is not high on our priority list. You know, it's almost worse than a deployment because there's the option to be with them. And so we have to, we're actually going to be facing this in the next couple of years as our older two this year, they're junior and sophomore and, you know, PCS is looming right around the corner. They're going to be senior and a junior. What do we do? Do we keep them here? And do we keep, you know, our oldest for her senior year, but then what do we do about our son? He's right after that. So it's a really hard decision, but it's definitely an individual decision for our family. Yeah. I think we would choose it again because it's become our way of life and, we enjoy the traveling. We enjoy the experience. We enjoy adventuring, but I I know that that's not for everybody. (laughs) Good answer. (laughs) That was a good answer. No, I think it's really great for you. I mean, to kind of give your honest take on that and you saying the life is not for everyone, but while you're in it, you've embraced it, you know, as we say, bloom where you're planted and you've able to do that for yourself and for your kids and your family. And so I think that's amazing. And I would answer the question. Yes, I would do it all over again as well, because there's so many amazing things about being part of the military community. So Jennifer, I just want to say thank you so much for chatting with us. I think this was fantastic. I think you bring such a wealth of knowledge to the topic of moving with school-age kids and what back to school looks like when you're doing it over and over again. I just really enjoyed uh, chatting with you. Thanks so much, Nikki. This was great. I'd like to thank Jennifer for her time today as I really enjoyed our conversation. We know that military children move schools up to nine times during their K-12 through experience and that school support systems play an important part in their success. Thanks for listening to the MSEC podcast, the official podcast of the Military Child Education Coalition. If you've enjoyed this episode, please like, share, subscribe, and give today's show a five-star rating. And don't forget to leave us a comment on topics you'd like to hear more about. We'd like to give a special thanks again to Hanscom Spouses Club for supporting this episode and Consentus Media for audio mixing. I'm Nikki Harrison, and until next time, in a world where you can be anything, be kind. Be kind.